0: taught me a lot of things when I was growing up. One of the things my mom taught me was how to do laundry. Now, I hate doing laundry, but whenever I would do laundry, mom taught me something. You separate the colors, the darks, and the whites. For if you do not, you can have a blended color of clothing for the rest of your life. No, and, uh, But what happens when you don't separate them? If you were to just throw them all into the machine together... And you take your blue jeans and you throw those in, and you decide, well, I'm going to put the T-shirts in there too, and you know everything that's white—it doesn't matter. Just pile it in there, put some laundry detergent in there, and I had beautiful blue T-shirts to wear for a while, and uh, and so I did not have any more whites, if you will. Uh, I had colors, and. Uh, But, you know, you separate them out. Well, why do you do that? Because the darks bleed into the lights, don't they? The dark bleeds into the light. And I began to think about this passage here. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So I I began to think how important it is not to mix the two. Would you agree? Because the dark's going to blend into the light, isn't it? It's going to create a situation. And so when you look at this, he demonstrates by the like figure of darkness that the unbelievers' moral state and separation from God leaves them in a very dark place. And so when he's talking about them in uh, verse uh, 7, uh, he's talking about them being in a very bad place morally. And so the idea, of the idea of sleep here is not a physical but a moral condition as they choose not to retain God in their knowledge. And we find that same idea Paul was amazing because God used him in a great way. And he wrote another letter to another church at Ephesus. And this is what he said to the church at Ephesus, just like he's talking to this church here. And he, he writes a message to them in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 14 through 16. He said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He said, and and, and Christ shall give thee light. What we are talking about here is a way of life. We're talking about the idea of how you're living your life. We're talking about the idea... Of not living in darkness. And the contrast that he's using here is that the ways of the world are ways of darkness and the ways of Christ are the ways of light, making itself manifest, making itself clear, making it understandable. And I, I want to ask you something. How many of you have tried to walk through your house knowing your house, but you've tried to do it in the dark? How many of you have stumbled in the dark? It's hard, isn't it, to get around. I told my wife years ago when we had kids and we kind of lived in a townhouse, and and, uh, Mike had these little uh, men, and he had uh, Legos and everything else. At night, coming down the stairs, it was smart to turn the lights on rather than try to walk down the stairs because I would find things in the soft spot of your foot. How many of you have ever done that? And that is a rude awakening late at night, isn't it? But I'm walking around in darkness thinking that I'm going to be what? Okay, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to (laughs) stumble. I've tried even here at the church the other day. I was in the back area back here, and I walked through the one door, and the door's locked on the outside, so I had to go in and go around. And I said, ah, I'll be fine. And I walk in, and, uh, and, and it's your classroom, Chris. And so I figured I'm just going to walk through. And when I did, I found your podium because <laughs> I didn't turn the light on. And how hard would it have been to reach over here and go click? And I was like, ah, I'm too lazy. I didn't want to turn it on. I was just going to go around the other side and open the door. But I found his podium rather quickly. It was an exciting time. <sighs> Everything's going everywhere, right? And, and you try to walk in darkness and you stumble, don't you? Now the idea of this sleep is, is a moral condition of the people and there's a clear and definitive line that Paul was sharing with the Christian that they are to be on guard with their testimony and with the testimony of Christ and he brings that out about being on guard, being sober, being discreet, being vigilant. And here's the challenge for us tonight. Are you on guard and being careful with the testimony of Christ in your life? As believers, we're to reach the unsaved but not become them to reach out to them about Jesus Christ. Now, I hear people say this to me all the time. Well, Jesus went out amongst the publicans and sinners. He did, (laughs) and so are we. But never do I see, and Jesus did exactly as they did. How many of you have ever seen that? doesn't exist. (laughs) He didn't do what they did. He went out to be a testimony to those that were doing what was not good. And he didn't become them to reach them. And so when I hear that, I'm almost amused because I'm thinking to myself, well, Jesus definitely didn't sin to try to reach them. And so we don't have to sin to reach the lost. We need to not walk in darkness to try to reach out to them. So as I thought and leaned on this pretty heavily, there are three, uh, what I would call, specific contrasts between believers and unbelievers. One, God calls us children of light. But he calls those that are unsaved, immoral. He calls them children of the darkness. And then he tells us there's an appointment coming. And by the way, we're all set up for an appointment one day. Amen? And when that appointment comes, you're either a child of wrath or you're a child of God. And we're all going to meet that appointment one day. Right? How many of you know the appointment that I'm talking about? It is an appointment that no one in this room will miss, not even Kobe Bryant missed it today, nor his 13-year-old daughter. He didn't miss it, did he? And neither will you. So you have to decide now, am I going to be a child of the light or a child of darkness? Am I going to manifest Christ, am I going to demonstrate him in my life, am I going to show him, or am I going to stumble through this life? And that's a choice you have to make. Well, that's what Paul was challenging the church at Thessalonica with. How are you going to live your life? So, as children of light, we're called the children of light, or the children of the day, and this is going back to the fact that as saved child of God, we are to make manifest, or make known, or bring to light things about Jesus Christ. It's really not even about us. It's about demonstrating who he is in our lives. We're to bring to light who he is. And as children of light, we want to testify of Jesus Christ. So when you consider what light is used for, uh, it, it is so you better, are, are better able to see, and therefore we're able to bring out or demonstrate or allow others to see Christ through us. And so when you think about light, it's an amazing thing. Uh, we were in Colonial Beach, uh, Virginia. I was there at Westmoreland Independent Baptist Church for many, many years. And Dr. Creed had come down, and he was doing our missions conference. He was preaching for us, and we had a terrible, terrible storm come through. And as it did, all the lights in the town went out, and the sky was very, very, very dark. And the emergency lights then did not come on in the auditorium. We weren't certain why, but they just didn't. And so there was zero light. Have you ever been in that situation where there is no light? And so you cannot see. And, and and I began to to look around the room, and I can see nothing. I can't see my hand in front of me. It is dark. And there was a gentleman in the room, Jim Klein, and he had how many of you remember a palm pilot? Anybody remember palm pilots? That was way before those uh, the cell phones that we have. They're about the size of a cell phone. We called them palm pilots. Well, he was looking at his Bible on his palm pilot, and in the middle of all that darkness, he went boop. And lit up, and that little bit of light brightened that room up like you wouldn't believe. Do you know we're in a dark world? <laughs> a lot of sin, a lot of things going wrong in the world, isn't there? And just a little bit of light can bring brightness to the darkness. And so God wants us to be children of light. That's what Paul's challenging these folks to do. Notice it's light or day in contrast with night and darkness. So then there's a clear distinction between those who are walking with the Lord and those who. Are hiding their lives. Let me give you a passage of Scripture. You don't have to turn there, but I want you to hear this because when, I, when I'm sharing things with you, the Bible is so consistent. It, it so much supports itself. It's unreal. And, and, and when I'm telling you that we need to be children of light, we are to be children of light because God is light. Listen to these passages. Now, this is in 1 John chapter uh, 1, verses 5 through 7. He said, This then is the message... I like that. This then is the message, right? Which we have uh, uh, heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And we're to be children of what? Light. And who is God? God is light, isn't he? And we're to be children of light. Now listen to this. And in him, there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in him. And so when God says, and Paul's telling these folks that we're to be a child of light, we're to be like whom then? God, because God is what? (laughs) Light. He brings things out. He manifests them. Hey, listen, when your child wants to do something wrong, how many of you have watched them hide? They want to hide. They want to go someplace and do it. Or they'll go into a dark place. They'll go do it somewhere where no one can what? See them. They can't find them. That's what they want to do. So they they do it in darkness, undercover, right? And, And you think about this for just a moment. So what does light do? It sheds things open. It makes it open. It makes it be able to be seen, doesn't it? And so when he's telling us that we're to be children of light, he's telling us that Christ should be able to be seen in us. Would you agree? Because if God is light and we're a child of light, and Christ is the center of our life, then what should we manifest? What should we show? Or what should we demonstrate? We should demonstrate Christ in our life. So he says this, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, notice what the Bible says. We lie. We're liars. Who is the father of all lies? (laughs) So if we walk in darkness, then we lie, don't we? And we... Do not the truth. He goes on, he says, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Isn't that interesting? Do you know why sometimes people don't want to fellowship with other Christians? Because they want to walk in darkness. And by the way, the Bible says "And men love darkness rather than what? They like the dark over the light. Because then they can cover what they're doing. No one can see them. (laughs) And they do it in cover. So as we think about this, he says, he uh, that is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So we're not to fall asleep, but we're to be alert, and we're on call and on duty. We're to watch and be sober. He uses these phrases here inside this passage. And he says, as children of light, we have a responsibility. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober when he says let us not sleep he's talking about let us not fall into that immoral spirit ways of life when he's talking about that don't fall into that but he says but we let us watch and be sober that idea of watch is to be vigilant or to be on guard (laughs) in other words don't let yourself slip into the darkness You need to be on watch. You need to be on guard duty. And then he uses the word sober. And I love this because later on he talks about a drunk. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Go ahead. You can laugh. It's funny, man. He said we ought to be sober and not like the drunks. Amen? And, and, and when he says we need to be sober, we're to have some self-control. We need to stay clear-headed. How many of you know clear-headed, stable drunks? I can't tell you one that I know. Every time I met them, they can solve all world problems and they can stumble through. I'm not trying to tell you about it. (laughs) And they fall all over the place. They stumble, don't they? Like being in the dark. So sober is to have some self-control. You think about when someone's drunk, they don't have much self-control. How many of you have ever watched live PD? Now you can lie and say no or you can say yes, I've watched it. Right? Live PD is unreal. When they catch those folks and they say, okay, I need you to get out of the car. And my favorite thing is, is I want you to put one foot in front of the other. How many drinks did you have? Oh, I didn't have nothing. You didn't have anything to drink? No, nothing at all. Here, I want you to put one foot in front of the other. Okay. I want you to walk a straight line. Wait a minute. Wait, you're giving me too many things at one time. What do you want me to do? Walk in a straight line. That's too many things to do at one time. Because they're stumbling, they're in darkness. They're not clear headed, are they? They're falling all over the place. And so when we look in the scriptures, he said, Be sober. So, what is the significance or the importance of this? So we uh, will see the actions of those that walk in darkness, and we are to be of light. And it's you keeping watch, staying clear headed for the coming of Christ. So, the children of light are to be prepared, ready, being on watch, and not allowing the ways of this world to rope them in and causing them to lose some control. Uh, you know, I, I thought about a drunk is not able to maintain any kind of stability at all. And I've watched them walk. I've listened to them talk. I've uh, watched them do the various things that they do. And, and it's sad because there's no clear-headedness. And so whenever he's telling us to be a child of light, God's telling us that we ought to have a clear head. We ought to be able to think. Now, when I share this with you, You think about how erratic the behavior is of a drunk. And then you think about what God tells us as children of light. And and listen, this is so important. This has to do with marriage, young people. Adults, this has to do with relationships that you have with others. It has to do with your actions, your behavior. And I'm going to read a verse to you here in just a minute. But it has to do with what you're doing and if you're saved and you're a child of light, you need to be careful with what you're associating yourself with. Now, the Bible says in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 6:14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, when you're yoke, come here, Chris. When you're yoked, you're together. You're going to put your arm around me. You'd love me. <laughs> whoa, whoa. We're yoked together. We're walking together. Are you with me? So we're yoked together. Now he says, be not unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. So if Chris is an unbeliever. I don't want to partner with him. Are you listening to me? I don't want to do what with him? him. I don't want to yoke up. I don't want to partner with him, do I? Because if he's an unbeliever, listen to what I'm about to tell you, and you're saved and they're not, you are unequally yoked. Are you with me? So, not that we're getting married. (laughs) That's just gross, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we have worked on the kitchen together. We're not married, though. Yeah, we're not married. I'm so glad. Thank (laughs) you. So to be unequally yoked has the idea that we should separate. Now, doesn't mean I can't witness to him. doesn't mean I can't share the gospel with him. It doesn't mean that I can't encourage him. But what it does mean is I'm not coming over here with him. Are you with me? To be unequally yoked, listen to me, young people, don't marry people that are not saved. Amen. If they don't know Christ as Savior, don't yoke up with them Amen. because that's unequally yoked. So Chris comes to me and he says, Hey, listen, I got this great idea for a business. And I really know if you get in on this thing, this will be really good for us. Now, I may know him, he may be a friend, he may be a neighbor, and Chris is not saved. <laughs> Don't partner with an unsaved person. Did you hear what I just said? So if I'm not going to partner with them in marriage, I'm not going to partner with them in business. business. Do you understand? Don't partner with people that are not saved. Now listen to what the Bible says. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't partner with people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's just another way of saying it. You don't partner with them. When you partner with them, you're going to run into trouble. Now, here's the thing. If he's saved, and even if he's saved, I want to talk about that a little bit. Because I had a couple, they were going to get married, and and the man told me, I know the man upstairs. I didn't see a set of stairs, I didn't know who he was talking about. I said, Who are you talking about? You know the man upstairs. No, I don't know. Is there there a room above me here that I'm unaware of? But he wants to bring God down to a level. He's the man upstairs. Let me tell you, he's not the man upstairs. He's the God of heaven, Amen. amen? He's our Savior. And you either know him or you don't. My advice to the woman was not to marry him. I flat out told her, I said, don't marry him. And she said, but we were friends when we were kids, and we're really getting along really good. I said, that's great. Don't marry him. She said, why not? I said, he's not saved. She said, yes, but we really get along well. I said, don't marry him. They said, we don't want you to counsel us no more. I said, okay. Miss Vicki, they were married three weeks. How long? Three weeks. She came and said to me, I shouldn't have married him. I said, I told you. (laughs) She said, my dad told me the same thing. I said, "He shouldn't listen to him. (laughs) Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. When you do, you're in for trouble. Thank you, Chris. Now listen to me. This has to do with my relationships in marriage, my relationships with people that I associate with. I didn't say that you could not try to lead them to Christ, but you don't have to become them and do the things that they're doing to win them. I don't have to go to the bar and drink to win a drunk to Christ. First of all, I want him not to be drunk when I witness to him because he's filled with another spirit, amen? But I want to be able to witness to him. If you're going into business with people, you better be very careful about it because, one, you want to make sure, one, they're saved, they've been scripturally baptized by immersion. They're in a church of like faith and doctrine. Are you with me? And they are walking with God. They tithe and give and do all the things that they're supposed to do. Because let me tell you something. You can have somebody tell you that they're a Christian and you go into business with them and they have no practices of being honest with God or with anybody else. You better make sure you know who they are. (laughs) And the thing of it is, is the Bible teaches us not to be unequally yoked together. Now, he says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. And here's what I wanted to try that. And what communion hath light with darkness? doesn't match, does It doesn't work together. So then we are being taught to be cautious with those that we associate with and be careful not to fall into those traps. The believer is not to live a life of obscurity or shadiness either. So here's the idea. He says we're to be children of light. Look at verse 7 now in your Bible. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. He goes on and tells us something here. He says that the world, the flesh, and Satan always want to drag the believer or the Christian into the ways of the world or the world philosophy. And Paul says here, and we find in his ministry, that those temptations were real, and they're still real today. There is... Uh, 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 when I go back, I, I go meet with people that I used to run with when I was younger. They, Some of them are still living the same kind of life that I led when I was in my teens and in my 20s. Are you with me? They're still living like that. And they will tell me, you just need to go with me. Listen, you're too uptight now. You're too this. You're too that. And Hey, listen, I want to tell them, I'm not uptight. I'm saved. <laughs> and I live a different life than I used to. Now, Why? Because we are not to be the children of darkness. Notice this. And they that are drunken are drunken when? In the night. When are the bars open? When is everybody going to happy hour? After work, in the dark, at night. Are you with me? When are they going and doing these things? When is most of the trouble occurring? Now I just asked you if you watch live PD. I generally don't see stops in the middle of the day. The stops occur at night. Why? Because that's whenever all the people that are doing wrong are running around town. My brother told me this. He's an officer in Columbus. He said, we don't arrest people during the day half the time. We have times that we set up and we set outside their places because when you're sleeping, they're at work on the streets, selling meth, selling drugs. Pray for him. He just had a huge bus the other day. They, they, they had a gun in the truck he couldn't see. And man, I, I tell you, when he's telling me the story, I am realize this is my brother, my stomach. Did you ever have that happen to you? I mean, I just feel this sinking feeling in my stomach. And they had a gun laying on the seat of the truck, and he said, I thought I had called for backup, but I didn't hear any sirens, and I was there alone. And I was outside the meth house, and there they are inside the truck with tinted windows. I'm screaming, get out of the truck. He said, I still didn't hear the sirens, bomb.'" And he said, finally, one of them got out of the truck, and he said, leave the door open. He started screaming. Nobody wanted to get out of the truck. Then she shut the door and took off running. And he said, I had to make a choice. And he said, I was dumb. I forgot to put my vest on when I got out of the car. And he said, so I was standing behind the door, and I couldn't chase after her because I knew there were other people in that truck. And they had guns. And when the others arrived, are you with me? People decided to get out of the truck. <laughs> and when they did, it happens in the night. The drunkenness occurs in the night. So we find here Paul talking about this. There must be a line that the Lord has defined for us spiritually that we must be certain not to cross over into. And in this time it's referred to as the children of Darkness. A Christian should not be seen as living a life of shadiness or obscurity, but they need to live a life that's discreet, cautious, regarding the secular world. And although we live in this world, we're to reach the world, we're not to adopt the ways of the world, and we're having a clear and specific reason not to do so. I'll give this to you. You can go read this on your own. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Go read it. We're not to become them. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch and pray. Be clear-headed, be discreet. Put on the breastplate of faith and love, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. This is truth, isn't it? <laughs> breastplate of righteousness, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says this, and uh, he said, put on the helmet of hope and salvation, Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Sometimes as a Christian, you just want to throw your hands in the air and say, forget it. I'm done. Sick of all that's going on around me. Sick of all the... Wickedness and ungodliness. Tired, exhausted. Might as well just give in and give up and quit. Just stop. Forget it. Oh, but there's a fire in the belly. There's a spirit of the Lord, isn't there? God tells you, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you what? Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Let me tell you something. The devil will try to talk you into it every time. Right? It's not worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. (laughs) I don't need this. Yes, you do. (laughs) And God wants to help you through it. And what you have to see is the power that resides in him. By the way, you're not going to find it in a brown bottle. You're not going to find it in cigarettes. You're not going to find it in drugs. You're not going to find it in alcohol. You're not going to find it in pornography. You're not going to find it in wrongdoing. You're going to find it in the Scriptures, and you're going to find it in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where you're going to find it. And so the the children of darkness are the children of disobedience, and we're to walk in light as he's in the light. And Paul's putting forth the challenge not to live for or like the world, But to have a clear and distinctive life, a child of God, a child of light, a child of life. And so you need to be on guard and be careful as a Christian. The last thought is this. There's a day coming that all will be without excuse. Look at verses 9, 10, and 11. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. (laughs) He hadn't appointed us to wrath, amen. Who's Paul talking to? You know, there's a day coming, it says that he's going to come like a thief in the night, there's a day coming when the wrath of God will be relinquished on the world. And all the sin that has evolved over this time, there's going to have to be an answer for that, and they're going to answer through the wrath of God. And there's a day coming when that's going to occur, and he says The Lord has appointed believers to hope, not wrath. Look at what he says. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. He told us there is hope in salvation. Is there not? There's hope in salvation. (laughs) It's not in the world. It's not in the ways of the world. And you know what it requires of us? It requires of us to put off the old man, the former conversation, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after righteousness and true holiness in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's a different way of living, and you have to choose to walk that way. It's a conscious choice, isn't it? You're either going to continue in the ways of the world, or you're going to do the things that God calls you to. Jesus died for us, and Paul restates that whether we live or we die, we will live together with Christ. He said in Romans 14, 7, he said, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether therefore we live or we die, we are the Lord's. For this, to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And God told you and me that whether you're living or dying, you live for Christ. Amen? Amen? You live for Him. You live a different life. You need to be the example. You need to walk in His steps. You need to be a child of light. You don't need to be stumbling through this life, and God has given us the answer to be able to walk in the light. <laughs> Paul challenged us with this. And then we see the hope of comfort encouragement, and we need to edify one another as we see the day approaching, and it's found in Hebrews and by the way, the Bible clearly says to us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. I hear people tell me all the time, I don't have to go to church to worship God. Hogwash! Yes, you do! You need to get together with saved people. You need people to be around you that are going to encourage you in the Lord. You need people to challenge you with where you're living. You need people to come up alongside you and encourage you when you're struggling. And the Bible clearly says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, he is coming again. And knowing that, we ought to encourage each other to get together more often. When the doors of the house of the Lord are open, we ought to be together. We ought not find other things to do. We should look at the church schedule and plan our life around the church schedule, not look at the church schedule and say, you know, if I don't have these things to do, then I'll go to church. And God says, listen, I want your time. And my time is Sunday. And it belongs to me. We ought to figure out a way to give that time back to him. So the end... Of the wicked is wrath, but the end of the believer is hope. This is a reminder of what the psalmist said, and I'm going to read this to you, and I'm done tonight. You might want to write this down. You can go read this on your own. Psalm 73, 11 through 18. Asaph is the writer of this psalm. Now listen to me for just a minute. I want to tell you something. How many of you have watched wicked people, and it looks like they're prospering, Like they're doing the wrong things, (laughs) and you watch their life, and you're like, I'm trying to serve the Lord, and things are going wrong. How many of you felt that way sometimes? God, can you not see what I'm doing? (laughs) Can you not see the things I'm trying to do? He goes, So what? (laughs) And the thing of it is, how many of you have looked at the wicked and thought, Man, how do they prosper? See, in our mind, you know what prosper means to us in our nation? Go ahead, say it out loud. means what? Stuff Stuff and money, doesn't it? Did it save Kobe Bryant today? He had a lot of stuff and money, didn't he? didn't save his life. So what's in view here? (laughs) Well, when the psalmist is speaking, I find this fascinating. You need to read the entire psalm. How many of you have ever just felt bad for yourself sometimes? So lie and say, no, It never happens to me. <laughs> you're sitting there and you're pouting, right? You got your hand on your, oh, man. You ever been in this state? <sighs> Anybody ever feel that way? Am I the only one? You just want to crawl into a hole somewhere sometimes? You're thinking, man, does it get any better than this? Well, Gianna got a thing of Skittles today was about her height. I mean, it gets good when that happens, amen? I didn't get any Skittles. How many of you just felt bad for yourself sometimes? Guess what ASAP's doing? He's feeling sorry for himself. You go back and read the whole thing and he's really feeling bad for himself. Hey man, when we have a pity party, we'll put a hundred candles on there, Amen? thousand. Here's what it says. And they say, how does God know? You know, the wicked are out there. They're running around doing whatever they want. What's God know? And he says, and is there knowledge in the most high? Does God know anything? (laughs) This is the wicked speaking, right? This is Asaph writing this. He's feeling bad for himself. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. (laughs) Look at all the people out there. They're doing all this wrong and they got everything. Man, they got the best cars, the best clothes, the best houses, the best cell phones. They got it all. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. ASAP, can't you just see him just kind of, you know, sitting there feeling sorry for himself? And he goes on and he says, Verily, this is, this is Asaph, Verily have I cleansed my heart in vain. You know, I've tried to do the right thing, and it's just empty. It doesn't matter. And washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak, thus behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, stop for just a minute. Isn't that what he did? Stop sign was put up. He said, when I thought to know this, about the wicked prospering in the world, having everything, they got all this stuff, and they're they're doing well. And he said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I didn't even want to think about it anymore. And he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, Where'd he go? He went to the house of the Lord, didn't he? He said, it was too painful for me to think about this until I went into God's house. And when I went into God's house and I started thinking about this, then understood I their end. Then I understood what was going to happen to those that seemingly are prospering in the world and have everything and really have nothing. (laughs) He said, when I understood their end, here's what he says to them. He says, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Now, I don't have time to read the whole psalm. He said, you know, I was looking out. I was feeling sorry for myself. If you read verses 1 and on down till you get to the verse that we started at here in in, uh, in verse uh, 11, uh, he's feeling sorry for himself. Feeling bad for himself. And then, he said, when I went to the house of God and I understood what was going to happen to those people, <laughs> my thoughts changed. Folks, if you have salvation, you have everything. Amen? Amen. If you are saved, you got it. <laughs> Amen. You can have great possessions in this world and it will get you nowhere. <laughs> Maybe some people might know your name. Maybe they might know where your house is. Maybe they might know the brand-name clothes that you've got to haunt. But none of that's going to matter in eternity because it's all going to burn up in a fervent heat. But here he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. So he says here, Christ died for us, so whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. There's a time to come, and as children of light, we need to really proclaim this. If you have the hope of salvation, we need to understand that if you're saved, you're going to get out of here in the rapture, but there's a time coming too when Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. When he comes, people are in one of two conditions, are you with me? And by the way, we just heard this morning, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess, correct? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you're going to do it in salvation, or you're going to do it in condemnation. But you are going to confess, and that is guaranteed. Now, I want to go out in the rapture, how about you? Hmm? So if you're saved, you're going to get out of here in the rapture. I don't have to be here for the end times. I'm not going to live through the tribulation. I'm going to be gone. By the way, I promise you all that. I'm gone. (laughs) I know I'm going to heaven. (laughs) And the thing of it is, is that darkness is death. Darkness is hell. This drunkenness that he's talking about, don't live that way. Live in the light as a child of God. And in so doing, are you prepared for the rapture? Are you ready for the trump to sound? The only way that's going to occur in your life is if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. So you know Paul's telling them here, the end times are coming, and you need to be ready. And so I challenge you tonight, one, are you ready? And if you are, are you living like a child of light or a child of darkness? Well, God would have you to live as a child of light, for God is light, and if you belong to him, you need to walk in the light, as he is in the light. Amen? Let's pray.